You're listening to The Historian's Podcast. It's a pleasure to welcome John Eisenberg to the program. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. John Eisenberg, for many years a sports columnist for the Baltimore Sun, award-winning columnist there for two decades. He's written a number of books about sports. He uh, currently contributes columns to BaltimoreRavens.com and still lives in Baltimore. And uh, this story we're about to hear from him on the Historian's uh, Podcast obviously has something to do with uh, with Baltimore, at least for a, a half of it. His book is called The Streak, Lou Gehrig, Cal Ripken Jr., and Baseball's Most Historic Record. Uh, the book is published by Houghton Mifflin. Um, first, just establish what um, both Gehrig and uh, Ripken did, which was basically they showed up for work for many days in a row. That's right. Uh, the achievement that they share uh, uh, is uh, the consecutive games played uh, record in baseball, uh, all informally known as the Ironman record, and uh, Lou Gehrig uh, in the 20s and 30s played in 2,130 straight games, uh, a little over 13 years without missing a game, and did that all for the Yankees, and uh, that was playing every game of every season through that period of time. And, of course, his streak ended only when he contracted a fatal disease, which now bears his name. Uh, and so that was the record. Many people thought, well, no one will ever touch that. Uh, uh, no one else has gotten beyond 1,300 games in a row. Garrick was at 2130. Mm-hmm. So people thought that would, uh, was a record that would last forever. But then along came Cal Ripken of the uh, Baltimore Orioles. And in the 80s and 90s, <clears throat> he went up playing in 2,632 straight games. So he, he pursued... Garrig, he caught Garrig, he passed Garrig, and he went on to play 502 more games in a row than Garrig. So uh, parts of 16 seasons, 15 of them full seasons. Mm. So uh, those are the two Ironmen of baseball. And it's interesting that this was such a big deal, or is such a big deal. Um, it's kind of, to me, it, it shows how baseball is uh, – it's sort of a different sport from others. Would, would you agree? I mean, in terms of focusing on things like this. Well, certainly, yeah. Well, all these sports are very different. Baseball, certainly that. What's really different, I think, is this record in particular, because I can't think of another record uh, in any sport, and certainly in baseball. When you think about it, if you if you hit uh, what other great records have we celebrated? Most home runs, most base hits. You know, those mm-hmm. that's Pete Rose and Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron, Barry Bonds, all these people. All, all people do is they cheer for it. They say, great job. That's a wonderful achievement. Both, uh, they say the same things if you play in 2,000-whatever games in a row, but there's also an undercurrent of uh, skepticism about it. People will say, why did you do that? And, <laughs> right. uh, you know, what was the point of doing that? And uh, because it's not about winning and it's not about being exemplary. I mean, you, all you got to do is play. You yeah. play every day. Mm-hmm. You can go 0 for 4. You can even play badly. 
but as long as you're there and do this for a number of years in a row, it's your record. I'm reminded a little bit of hockey where they, they talk about, don't they, uh, the players have a shift. You know, you go out, you're going to do your shift. But, and, and this streak in baseball, it's, it, it kind of relates to the average Joe, doesn't it, and Jane? Because, you know, it's something everybody does, get up and go, and go to work. Absolutely, and, and I think that's why. That is why this record resonated with so many people. Well, I should say it's one of the reasons why. But if you go back and trace uh, the history of the record, which I did in this book, uh, you'll find that it wasn't even... uh, The statistical apparatus in baseball was not sophisticated enough to track this until about the 1920s. And once it came into the light, is the best way to describe it, it was a much-esteemed record people liked the people fans liked the players that were doing it and for that exact reason i think they couldn't hit home runs fans can't hit home runs they they can't steal bases throw 100 miles an hour but they can show up to work every day uh, uh and so i think fans can relate to this achievement it is something that they can do mm-hmm. and so for that reason i think it has always been just an immensely popular record and but maybe it would have to have been this way, but Gehrig and Ripken only played for one team. I mean, each. You know what I mean? I mean, could you have set a record like this if you were traded and this and jump ship to somebody um, else? I, I think so. I think you could do that. Um, that's not necessarily a hindrance. Uh, for instance, the uh, current, the, the holder, the national, the National League record holder, both Garrick and Ripken played in the American League. The National League record holder is Steve Garvey, who was a first baseman, mostly with the L.A. Dodgers in the 1980s. But uh, uh, towards the end of his streak, he switched teams. He went to the San Diego Padres as a free agent and continued his streak. And as a matter of fact, the Padres were going to let him go uh, as long as he wanted. They were going to let him play every day. It was something he wanted to do. He was still productive. And he would have gone on a long time, but he broke his thumb uh, in sliding into home headfirst, trying to score a run, and that was the end of his streak shortly after he got to San Diego. But he he would have played a long time, I think. So it it sort of depends on which team you go to, but uh, it's not necessarily a hindrance just. To, you know, to play for more than one team. On the Historian's Podcast, we're talking with sports writer John Eisenberg about the streak. Let me ask you about uh, each of the the men that you profile in the in the book. Um, for example, Lou, uh, Lou Gehrig. He was um, a native of, uh, of New York City, right? Yeah, that's correct, yes. And he grew up... He was... Go ahead. Yeah, he was born in New York and... Uh, and uh, raised in Washington Heights, um, and this is right around the turn of the of the 1900s. Uh, and uh, yeah, just a child of the city. Uh, went to public schools. Wound up, went to Columbia for a few years, and uh, was a New Yorker through and through. If you hear uh, if you hear recordings, I recently heard a a recording of his famous lucky I'm the luckiest man on the face of the earth speech and it is very much a New York accent there's no doubt about it he was big apple all the way okay and he got to play for the New York Yankees yeah and uh i mean if you go back far enough i mean he really didn't uh 
And when he grew up, when he was a boy, uh, really the New York Giants were the team to aspire to play for if you were a young kid. And uh, he did, the Giants looked at him and uh, passed on him uh, when he was coming out of high school. John McGraw, their, well, the biggest baseball man in New York at that time, who ran the Giants, thought he was going to be overweight. And so he passed on Garrick. Uh, the Yankees, of course, weren't even known as the Yankees at that point. Uh, they were the Highlanders, and uh, they became the Yankees just before World War One. And so, uh, you know, they became something to aspire to as a young, you know, if you wanted to play for the Yankees, when Garrett was on the Yankees. He and mm-hmm. Babe Ruth made them something to aspire to. Yeah, he and, let's say, Babe Ruth made, yeah, made the team or the players then. So he started with... Uh, playing for the Yankees in 1923, I believe, and started working on the streak a couple of years later. Was this a conscious decision on his part, do you think? Absolutely not. Uh, I just do not believe for a second that he rolled out of bed and said, I'm going to play every day you know, for 13 years. Uh, I just don't think – I will say this. Uh, when he was getting going with the Yankees and on the bench or whatever. His first full year with the Yankees was 1925. And uh, he was sitting on the bench when he watched the current consecutive game uh, streak uh, hold the current Ironman streak end. It was a teammate of his. It was a little, you could put 100 players in a lineup and say, pick out the Ironman. This would have been player number 100 you would pick. <laughs> uh, Everett Scott was a 120-pound shortstop uh, who was a f- with bug bug, ear- bug eyes and jug ears and and uh, afflicted with boils and uh, just not someone you would say would be an everyday player. But he did. He played in 1,307 games in a row. And he is the one, as I said, who sort of brought the record into the light. And when he was benched early in 1925 to end the streak, Lou Gehrig saw it happen live from the dugout. And uh, so I think that planted in Lou's head. Uh, not that he was going to try to break that record. He could not possibly have conceived that. But what, he could, what it did, though, was uh, you know, show him, this is something you can do. This is an achievement. So it's, uh, and then once Lou got going and his streak began, just a couple months after Scott's ended, he never came out, so Everett Scott definitely showed him the way. Mm. And uh, Lou Gehrig, and I think that's probably true of Cal Ripken Jr. as well, I mean, he's a hard worker, right? I mean, he had a good work ethic. I mean, that he yeah. wanted to show up. Uh, he definitely wanted to show up, and, and of course, when he uh, – I mean, it was uh, – there were only 16 major league teams then, and uh, the jobs were hard to come by. And veterans were very protective of their turf. And uh, the old adage was, you better not take a day off. And, you know, there were a lot of really good players in the minor leagues. In other words, today there's almost twice as many major league teams. And so uh, a lot more jobs and the competition, while still fierce, is not quite what it was back then. So you didn't want to take a day off. And, of course, Garrett, the guy he replaced, it's one of these stories, Wally Pitt. You know, uh, the story is with Wally Pipp, and it may or may not be true. But anyway, he showed up at the ballpark and said, I have a headache. I think, uh, can I have two aspirin? He asked uh, the trainer for two aspirin, and the manager overheard him and said, why don't you take today off? We'll get you in there tomorrow. So 
he went on. He went for that, and they put Garrick in, and Garrick played the next two thousand one hundred and thirty straight games, and that was the end of Wally Pitt's job. So oh. you did not want to come out of the lineup. At some point, uh, when did people notice that this was going on, or you know that he was, you know, this was getting to be serious as far as Lou Gehrig uh, uh, um, streak? There was not a lot of attention paid to numbers like that uh, back in that era. I would say uh, shortly before he broke Scott's record, uh, it was noted. It was noted in the press that Garrick did play every day and that he was durable and that he never wanted to come out of the lineup. But they never assigned a number to it or there was no countdown or anything like that. Only right before he passed Everett Scott, which was in 1933, suddenly it was in the news. Lou Gehrig's getting ready to break Everett Scott's record. And understand, it was not a particularly huge deal. Mm-hmm. The Yankees, this is the Babe Ruth Yankees. Uh, they had other things. They were a championship team. Other things were going on. Lou Gehrig's Iron Man streak was just sort of one of the lesser things. In fact, uh, don't you write that uh, Babe Ruth kind of thought he was nuts doing this? Yes, Ruth definitely criticized him for it, but only after Babe was done playing. Uh, they did not really get along towards the end of Babe's career. Babe was older and had taken Lou under his wing as a young man, uh, made some money for him with barnstorming tours after this season, but they were very different. Ruth was uh, sort of a legendary uh, carouser, and and Gary was a mama's boy, big-time mama's boy, so they did not get along, and uh, yeah, after... Garrett, after Ruth was done with the Yankees, he said, I don't know why Lou's doing that, playing every day. The Yankees aren't going to pay him for it. He's going to shorten his career. He might get hurt. It just seems silly to me. So he criticized it, and uh, Garrett, Garrett was not happy about that. And when he ends the streak, it's be, you know because he's, he's sick. I mean, that, that certainly adds a tremendous amount of poignance to the whole story. A great deal of poignancy. Yes, that's the only reason. And he was already afflicted with the uh, the, you know, the symptoms were showing themselves. I mean, this great ball player uh, suddenly could barely feel the ball and he couldn't hit anymore. And it's really amazing that he could do as much as he could to get a base hit in a major league game when the ALS is taking over his body. But he, he, I mean, he got a few hits and he played every day. But and then suddenly he just said, you know. I'm hurting the team. I'm not performing. I need to come out. And so he did not know at the time that he, he thought he would. He didn't know uh, ALS was really unknown at that point. And there were a number of thoughts that there might be something else wrong with him. But uh, and he wound up going to the Mayo Clinic once he was out, stopped playing to find out what it was. And that's where the, uh, the, uh, it was determined that he had ALS. So until then, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you go from a guy, this fabulous ball player, to a guy that's not playing as well, and then he stops. To suddenly, a guy who's who's had contracted a terrible illness. It is going back and reading the newspaper clips uh, as I did. I must tell you, just incredibly sad mm. when you read it in real time. What was going on? Really, one of the saddest stories of 20th century America. What happened to Lou Gehrig? We're talking with John Eisenberg about his book, The Streak, Lou Gehrig, Cal Ripken Jr., and Baseball's Most Historic Record. Uh, More with our guest in just a moment. This is Bob Cudmore. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Historian's Podcast. 
The podcast depends on your donations to keep going. We welcome contributions online at our GoFundMe page. That's GoFundMe.com forward slash historians2017. If you'd rather donate by mail, make out a check to me, Bob Cudmore, send to 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. Thank you. Uh, Back to our uh, conversation about the streak with our guest John Eisenberg, a sports writer from Baltimore. But let me uh, a- ask you about Cal Ripken Jr.'s streak. I mean, uh, he came from a baseball family. Uh, there was a Cal Ripken Sr. who uh, was with the Baltimore Orioles. A- at some point, uh, he was the uh, manager, wasn't he, of the team when uh, Cal Jr. and also his brother were were playing for the Orioles. That's correct. Cal Sr. is a major figure in the story of this streak and yes Cal Sr. was a career baseball guy vast majority of it spent in the minor leagues as a first a player then a coach then a manager then a scout and then eventually a major league coach and then briefly the manager of the Orioles when his sons were there but uh, a lifer a career baseball man and uh, he instilled in his boys uh, they grew up around baseball they're they would follow him every summer to some minor league outpost somewhere. And and so he, he definitely instilled in his boys a way to play baseball, a philosophy. If you're going to be a pro baseball player, there's a way to go about it. Uh, you know, you, you get to the ballpark early, you, you take infield practice, you take batting practice, you get your head in the game. You're, this is serious stuff. And if your manager wants you to play, you play. And so, uh, the 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 sort of the rhythms and rituals of baseball were very much uh, in, installed in Cal Ripken Jr. by the time he became a pro. Mm. And when did he start his streak? Well, um, what's interesting, what I uncovered this, and I covered a lot of his streak for uh, the newspaper, as you mentioned, but I learned some things in digging back through this here two decades later. One is that before he even got to the Orioles, he had a consecutive game streak in the minors. He was already playing every day, following his father's uh, advice and uh, the philosophy. His last 258 minor league games, he played in all of them. So uh, that's double A AA and triple A minor league ball. So he he was already on a run. Uh, then he gets to the majors, and he sits for a little while. He's a rookie, 21 years old, in uh, 1981. And then in 1982, he's a starter for the Orioles, and that's the year he begins his streak. Hmm. And he played at shortstop and all sometimes at uh, at third base, um, but he was also, and I gather it's maybe unusual in the shortstop, he was a a, a good hitter. Yes, uh, he he did a lot to change the prototype of what a shortstop is. Everett Scott would be your prototype of what a shortstop was for many years in baseball. It's a quarterback of the infield most important thing it was uh, judged was that he'd be a good defender and so that was scott for sure he couldn't hit much but he was great on defense 50 years later here's ripkin uh, also a very good defender but a big strapping guy who can hit home runs and drive the ball into the alleys and have pile up doubles and rbis and so yes uh, if you start to be nimble enough 
to be shortstop. And he was, so a real good athlete and uh, much more productive with the bat. So uh, pretty much a revelation as a shortstop. And again, with the Ripken, when did it, you know, it become a streak, you know, that they were seen as a new boy. He's played uh, a lot of uh, games consecutively. Well, with Cal, it was immediate because he didn't come out of a game for five years. Uh, once he had a starting job, he played every inning for five years. And uh, it was a run of 8,000... 260 there's been some debate about 8,260 innings in a row something like that Mm -hmm. and so this is as a young man he's in his early 20s and so for a while no one noticed or they and then uh by 1987 they realized that is a record streak that that streak is not even tracked nobody kept it and suddenly some record keeper said this is by far the longest streak in history and uh, it eventually ended, and his father was the manager the night it ended. His father took him out. But um, so even as a young man, it was already noted that Cal Ripken Jr. is, is an Iron Man, and he played not only in every game but in every inning. So this is a guy that could uh, maybe eventually take a run at Garrick. Mm. Um, which, he, which he did and then surpassed him. Was there, I don't know— uh, Gary was so beloved. Was there a criticism at him surpassing Gary by so many games, or there were people just saying, "Go Cal, go"? I think it was mostly the latter. Go Cal, go. Gary had been gone a long time. Um, he certainly has many fans, and you know, there's Yankee fans that love the memory of Lou Gehrig. But I don't think people. The night that Cal passed. Lou Gehrig uh, in Baltimore in 1995. Joe DiMaggio came to the game uh, to represent Gehrig. And uh, Joe DiMaggio, of course, the famous, famous Yankee ball player. And they were, he was a teammate of Gehrig's for three and a half years. It was the end of Gehrig's career, the beginning of DiMaggio's career. Hmm. So uh, the Orioles called DiMaggio and said, would you come to Baltimore for when Cal breaks his record and represent Gehrig? He said, Absolutely. So he came, not only did he come, sort of famously sort of reticent guy by that point in his life, but he came and he gave a speech, and he gave a very eloquent speech. And he said that basically what he said was he gave Gehrig's blessing. <laughs> you know, he said, I'm, I can't paraphrase, I'll paraphrase. He said, Lou Gehrig would approve of this. Uh, you know, Ripken's the right kind of guy to be breaking this record, and uh, he would respect this, and he would tip his cap to you, Cal Ripken. That's basically what DiMaggio said. And Ripken went on to uh, be in so many more consecutive games than Gehrig. This would apply to either one of them. But in connection with Cal Ripken, did he, I mean, did did the, I don't know, they always say take it for the team. I mean, did the team suffer sometimes because he wanted to play every game or he needed to play every game? Well, this is certainly was a topic of debate while it was going on. And, uh, you talk about what he might be criticized for, not for pursuing Garrick, but for that, yes, he dealt with a lot of criticism. Uh, fans, columnists, uh, you know, saying he needs to sit down. There, because they were like any ball player, there were times when he was slumping. If he's hitting 210, the cry was loud. You know, why doesn't Cal take a rest? And uh, uh, his resp- and you go back and look at it, and there could well have been times when he maybe should have taken a few days. 
But baseball was different then. Uh, you know, it didn't have so many of these advanced statistics to make out a lineup and a little less science given to it and and uh, a little more uh, a, a player with a philosophy like Ripken could be tolerated. And uh, I went back, I spoke to teammates, opponents, umpires, front office people as managers, as coaches, and um, I really couldn't find anyone that just said, that was a disaster. He was totally selfish. He should have done it. Uh, most of, just about everybody supported mm. what he was doing because in the long run, he did put up solid numbers every year. So his managers actually were relieved that they could come to the ballpark every day and just put his name in the lineup. Hmm. Why did he end the streak when he did? Well, it was in 1998. He'd gone 502 games past Garrett. Uh, about the middle of that season, uh, he he sensed a lack, an ebbing of the support for it, his achievement within the organization, what you alluded to. That had come. He was 38 years old not the ball player he was still solid but the whole point and the Orioles plus the Orioles had come through a period of winning making playoff appearances and had gone taken a turn for the worse uh, they were going south and they would uh, lose for a number of years in a row and uh, Cal just sensed that really the manager th- this needs to end I mean it's uh, the team needs it. It, it. This is a the team's in bad shape, and the manager doesn't need to be worrying about this. And the time has come. I'm 38, and so he really made that judgment in the middle of the season and uh, sat out the last home game of that season uh, against the Yankees to put an end to the streak. Hmm. He's uh, still alive, right? Yes, Cal Jr. is uh, in his mid-50s and a successful businessman, yeah. doing quite well. I, I, You know, I'll bring it up. I just happened to notice, I think it was on Wikipedia, I mean, he, he and his long-time wife just divorced, like, last year. That's right. Yep, his wife, who uh, was uh, by his side for a lot of that, yes, they did divorce. He's got grown kids. And uh, he's actually done, he does TV broadcasting. You'll see him... Uh, in the fall on uh, some of the playoff games. So he's uh, life goes on, that's for sure. And with Lou Gehrig, I gather there's a new motion picture being considered about the life of Lou Gehrig. Well, that's news to me, but uh, that would be uh, something, certainly the movie they did before, The Pride of the Yankees, one of the great sports movies. And um, so, uh, you know, that's uh, it was uh, the story of that movie actually there's a whole book out about it this year, a really good book by Richard Sandemir. And uh, I've mentioned it as well because it's part of the Garrick myth or story. And so it wouldn't surprise me if there's a new one. It uh, would be hard to top that old one, though. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody in the major leagues now who's starting to build up a healthy streak of consecutive games played? Uh, no, this, this whole concept... Baseball has turned away from the whole notion of playing every day. Cal retired in 2001, and the, the almost immediately the, the whole idea of consecutive games uh, playing every day has just went away. There's been a few guys that have done. Uh, Miguel Tejada was a shortstop, actually for the Orioles part of the time, played in over a thousand games. But now today. Uh, it's well under 300 games in a row. It's the longest streak. Teams, 
have decided they want their players taking rests. Uh, players, if they're touch and go to play, they'll sit. There's so much money on the table now. Uh, many, many factors go into why there's no more of these Ironman streaks in baseball, but they are gone. Hmm. Uh, you just don't find them at all anymore. Well, John Eisenberg, a pleasure uh, talking with you. Uh, he is a longtime sports writer for the uh, Baltimore Sun, still uh, does uh, columns for BaltimoreRavens.com. And the book we've been discussing is The Streak, Lou Gehrig, Cal Ripken Jr., and Baseball's Most Historic Record, published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. You've been listening to The Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore.